0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for joining me for Real Talk NFT, where we talk about all things NFT, all things Web3 related. We have my co-host, Joe, and we have a very special guest here for you today. Alec talk the head of product of HyperPlay. HyperPlay is a, a Web3 native game launcher and aggregator of games and game stores such as Epic Games and Amazon Prime Gaming. Alec, really happy to have you on today. Thanks for joining us, my man. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So let's get things started a little bit. Let's talk about like you just I know we were talking about beforehand, but we'd love to a little recap. Give us a little background about like, you know, your expertise in web three and NFTs and how'd you get into this crazy world?
1: For sure. Yeah. Definitely an interesting journey. Um, I would say as an engineer, I got into web three around twenty sixteen. Um and saw a lot of really interesting things and back then nfts were more of this idea of like hey can we tokenize our house or like tokenize our car things like that um tickets ticketing systems um land uh you name it and um i particularly found just the idea of like everyone generating their own key pairs and using wallets and having this like decentralized layer that everyone can kind of come to agreement on i thought that was really interesting I was really involved in the security space at that point. And, you know, we tried very hard to get people to adopt things like PGP and uh, never really worked out, but people are generating their own crypto wallets and their key pairs there. So that really drew me in and just the self-sovereignty of the whole thing and, um, you know, just removing authorities where they're not necessary um, was really fascinating to me. Fast forward a few years, um, ended up Helping build a protocol that helps, you know, Web three engineers distribute their software, um, and then through a mutual friend, uh, met the founder of HyperPlay, um, Jacob C. Eith, um, who was, you know, the ex product lead for MetaMask, and um, we kind of ended up in this con- nice convergence. So we decided to join their team, and um, you know, we were working with a lot of game studios in the Web three space, and. Yeah, we've got a lot of really cool
0: friends in the ecosystem. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how we ended up here. Awesome. Give us a little insight of exactly what HyperPlay is and what you're striving to do, do with um, in the gaming world.
1: Absolutely. So HyperPlay is a Web3 native game store and store aggregator. Um, so we basically have our own native HyperPlay store where we don't charge developers these absurd taxes that these other stores do. For example, like Steam will charge you 30% and they'll deplatform you if they figure out that you're a crypto game. Um, that is <laughs> totally against what we're about. Um, so we provide the most developer-friendly platform that there is out there. Uh, we provide a lot of really nice tooling for the developers to be able to do things like token gating. We pass a wallet through to the game for whether it's a browser game or a native game. So the developer doesn't have to worry about wallet tooling, and the player can just bring their single wallet to all their different games without having to worry about it. Um, A bunch of other developer tooling like licensing, different release channels, helping games do their launches and work with their community to like bring in early adopters, uh, a bunch of things like that. But as you mentioned, we also aggregate other stores like Epic and GOG. Uh, More coming soon as well. It's going to be really exciting there. Uh, but basically, that creates this nice unified place for if you're into Web3 gaming, this could also be the one-stop shop for all of your regular games. You can still play Fortnite on there, uh, but you can find a lot of really good games in the Web3 space. And we do extra security reviews and things like that to just make the player more safe um, and make sure that you know the games that they're connecting their wallet to, um, you know, have have been at least security checked, and they don't have to go and download some random EXE from some website somewhere. So. We try to solve for a lot of those problems in terms of gamer UX and developer UX.
0: Very nice. So are you a gamer yourself? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I love survival horror games. Uh, Personally, I really love games like Resident Evil, uh, the old school Silent Hill games, things like that. That's that's my cup of tea
0: for sure. Do you dive into any of the Web3 games, anything that you, you know, you just absolutely can't get away from? absolutely so we got a really
1: quite a few really interesting games on our platform we got br1 we have some really cool uh racing games as well like celeros and mc verse lots of really cool card games world building games uh things like that um i'm particularly excited about this one called last resort which is kind of like a zombie shooter survival Mm -hmm. one top down right up your alley Uh, (laughs) exactly so uh, i'm really excited (laughs) about that one and uh but yeah, of course, I can't pick favorites. Uh, all of the games that we've been working with are super awesome, and I'm really excited about all of them.
0: You know, I always we've had this conversation quite a few times on the podcast with like the relation between NFTs and gaming and gamers. Kind of like it seemed like initially, like gamers and just pushback on NFTs. NFTs are a scam. We don't want to use that. What's your view of that whole like macro subject? and what, how do you think the future will be for Web3 gaming? Totally.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it's one of those elephants in the room that I think the whole industry is trying to to figure out from a narrative perspective. But I also think it's kind of a natural response from gamers. They're extra, um, they're extra careful about game studios exploiting them uh, for historical reasons They're you know, they've just been Mm. the monetization models of gaming have changed a lot over the last 10 years and we keep moving towards a certain direction and gamers just want to make sure that they're not being exploited at the end of the day. And they're extra careful about that from, I'm not going to name any names, but a lot of really big AAA studios, um, have, you know, tainted their, their relationship with monetization in general. Um, so I think it's a natural spot response when a new paradigm entirely comes around and, you know, obviously, it's an early space, early ecosystem. So you might see projects that might not be at the level of maturity that you'd expect from traditional, uh, you know, other other areas. Um, so I think it's a natural response, and I think the industry is very much keenly aware of it and focusing on building really fun games, uh, making sure that the user experience is really solid. That's also where we're really trying to improve it to where you don't have to worry so much about all the technical aspects of a game or worrying about if you're going to get scammed or something like that. Um, so again, I think it's a natural response from gamers. And I think as an industry, we're trying to improve the maturity and the quality of these things so that, you know, the next kind of excitement bull cycle, I guess you could say, um, we have a lot more to show for it. And, um, I think ultimately, this monetization model is actually much better for the gamers in the first place. So I think it's more of just helping the gamers understand that, um, that it's actually putting you more at uh, equal playing field with a lot of the game studios, and it actually is more advantageous for the gamer in the first place.
2: Absolutely. You talk about bull cycles. I think gaming has been on a bull cycle for the last 40 years (laughs) in terms of, you know, market capturing just over... They, they do more than movies, music, and, you know, another industry combined, I've heard, right? Uh, gaming is just getting more prolific, especially in Asia, where uh, a lot of my family is. It's so huge, e-gaming. And I had a question about interoperability, because that term's thrown around a lot. Uh, it wasn't necessary for a Web2 world. Why is it such a big... Uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong, right? But I hear that word thrown around a lot in Web3, like, hey, ha- it should be interoperable. But we haven't seen that prior, right? With Nintendo and PlayStation, like they didn't, we didn't need, you know, Fortnite to work with assets to work with other assets. So uh, is it because it's available now? And that's why we're like, oh, we have to be interoperable? Um, what, what's your take on that? Yeah,
1: I, I think it's one of those hidden ones where it actually was a common issue that people were complaining about without mm. necessarily realizing that interoperability was the solution to. Um, mm. So for example, new console generations not being able to port certain things over or having to repurchase items on different platforms if you're moving from a console to a pc or vice versa i think a lot of those issues were kind of we didn't even realize we had solutions for those Mm. and every once in a while you would see a game studio go out of its way to enable things like cross play or like Rockstar is particularly good about that, having like a higher level account where you can now connect it to whatever platform you're playing and bring your saves, bring your character. Um, But now it's actually like a standard that everyone could follow and make it a lot easier for these games to do so. So I think when it comes to the point where you've played a game quite a lot and you either want to just, hey, put up the mantle and maybe liquidate some of the assets that you've purchased um, or earned throughout the game, Or even just give it to a buddy um, this becomes way easier and you don't have to like go through these weird marketplaces that could be a little sketchy Um, like for example Steam puts you in a really bad position with that you can trade items within the marketplaces but as soon as you want to like liquidate and cash out you're gonna have to go through some alternative means um, since they don't let you withdraw directly on certain things But anyway, that's I think one of those key issues. We realized that hey, since we have new playing ground, uh, new new uh, building ground here, uh, that we could actually do it right this time and like actually make things interoperable. And it also goes towards the player's wallet and things like that. So right now, you have all these different accounts on all these different platforms, assets on all over the place, Mm. right? Whereas with this, you could kind of bring everything and it's portable to where now I have my one single gaming profile that I could bring to these other games. And these other games can incentivize me to attract them to their game based on my playing history. Um, so I think there's a lot of really interesting opportunities that come about with having really solid interoperability.
2: Nice.
0: So you mentioned Jacob, the founder, and his connection of MetaMask. So I'd imagine that from a wallet um, compatibility standpoint, MetaMask is integrated or other wallets integrated onto the, the HyperPlay platform?
1: We do have MetaMask as our main wallet. Um, we believe it's the most mature wallet solution out there. And you know we are partnered with MetaMask, One of, actually, is the first uh, uh, product that's co-marketed by MetaMask. Mm. Um, oh, cool. So we, we definitely have a lot of great, strong relationships with their, their team. And it helps us a lot in terms of just making sure we have really solid first-party support with that wallet. Uh, but we do also support mobile wallets through Wallet Connect and you can you could also use hardware wallets through MetaMask as well. So, uh, you know, we do try to keep it open uh, while still relying on really nice, stable, mature products.
0: And it, and it looks like you're just not um, you're just not stuck with one blockchain or one network. It looks like you're available with Ethereum, Polygon, all the big names out there. So that's that's outstanding to see. Um uh, you said something earlier that like you said 30% some of these gaming stores are charging developers 30% and it just seems like such a crazy number to me and yours is, is zero my understanding is it zero right now is that what you how do you make money. <laughs> that is correct so yeah
1: we are in the future going to be rolling out a nice uh, secondary marketplace for a lot of these things but we, we're not going to take a cut from the developer directly in that case. Um nice. it's going to be a similar model to a lot of these swap platforms but um yeah in general you know we do we do believe that a lot of the current platforms like Steam and Apple and even Google are quite exploitative and you're completely right 30% is ridiculous and we feel the same yeah. way and it's really surprising that we're actually still in a situation where that's the case um but you know, we have ended up in a situation where developers don't have a whole lot of choice in that matter. Um, they they just kind of have to distribute on these stores a lot of the time. So that's why we're coming in with an alternative model uh, where we don't exploit the developers that way. We allow them to build with any blockchain, as you mentioned. Um, and with the re- recent uh, MetaMask Snaps as well, we're also extending to non-EVM chains like Solana mm. uh, and, and a few others nice. like Sui. Um, so we definitely want to make sure that we can help any type of web three game developer uh, you know, distribute to their players and without having to worry about all these fees. Um, and just exploitative policies, like I mentioned Steam, they'll just deplatform you if they find out that you're a crypto game. Um, mm. Epic is sort of the next more friendly one, but they are still taking about twelve percent of your in-game revenue. and they're kind of still updating their their policies for web three and it could change in the future. Uh, but you know we we definitely feel very strongly about the web three philosophies. So um, from from the beginning we're we're web three developer friendly.
2: Yeah, I saw the Asian market leading the gaming space in terms of Web3 like Square Enix and ZTX. Um, but Zenga got in recently which is great to see. Why is America so much slower? Is it because of legalities <laughs> that's holding us back and people don't want to develop because they don't want to get in trouble? He's being assets and whatnot. And um, yeah, just what's your take on that? Because it seems like we're falling behind.
1: It is a great question, man. Um, I will say, obviously this is a personal take, um, <laughs> but I do think that particularly in the US, this is just based off of my own experience with going to different events and participating in different, even just hackathons and stuff like that. Um, I do find that the U.S. kind of looks at the crypto market in a little bit more of a hyper-financialized way Mm. uh, than a lot of other countries do. We kind of compare them to more like, for better or for worse, you know, we do speculate quite a lot on these assets and we look at them more as like risky investments and things like that. And I find that that's a common Cultural phenomenon here in the states, mm. whereas outside of the U.S., a lot of folks care particularly about the the use cases of um, you know removing those authorities, um, being able to liquidate assets between different countries. A lot of folks sending money between each other in different mm-hmm. countries, really getting to that core ethos of like the borderless and permissionless parts of those protocols. Um, for the, yeah, and, and so. Uh, as far as why the Asian markets are particularly adopting these these technologies, it's a great question. I think it it comes to you know they're just a little bit more excited about some of these newer technologies at the fundamental technology level, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we're just kind of looking at it a little bit more financialized until we see a lot of these really good games. But uh, but yeah, I think that's one of those benefits of you know being in a place where the banking systems are. You know relatively trustworthy and relatively stable um but a lot of different parts of the world that's not the case so um i think that naturally fits that that story
0: where where do you see like the the future of nfts incorporating with gaming do you do you see a future where almost all games are going to be somewhat decentralized incorporating nfts is that the path you see um forward
1: It's definitely a critical path that I think is going to happen in this space, particularly for things like access passes um, as well as just like cosmetics and things like that. I think gamers are already pretty used to buying in-game assets for both cosmetic purposes as well as changing the mechanics of the game. Obviously, gamers are really like, they push back a lot on like pay to win, which our industry is keenly aware of. Um, but I think it's only natural to now say, Hey, instead of having some entry in some company's database somewhere, you could actually have this asset in your wallet at the end of the day. Um, and then other games again, can use that information to help target you as a player and try and get you to play their game as well, either by airdropping things into your wallet or qualifying you for certain things based off of previous gameplay history and all that's in, done in a way that is a lot more accessible to the game developers um, since it is all on that neutral platform already. They don't have to like ask some other game studio for their API access or anything like that. They could just go and do it. So I think it's only natural for the games to start moving that direction. Um, and I think it's a really, really great fit for the NFT use cases in general.
0: Yeah. Do you own any NFTs? Oh, sorry. Of course. Joe. Yes.
1: <laughs> of course. I think the most amount of NFTs I have are in POAP form, actually. So I love POAPs. Those are my favorite types of NFTs. But I do have some really great Chris Dyer, uh, Galactic uh, NFTs. Those are really cool. A bunch of them, honestly. I got, I got a bunch. But, uh, but yeah.
2: Well, Alec, I'm not sure if you saw um, Ready Player Verse that's coming up. They're partnering up with Warner Brothers. Uh, that's pretty exciting. So I guess a two-part question here: uh, Where is gaming going? Because you know we got Apple coming out with their goggle. It's not a called a goggle, obviously. It's it's super cool, very expensive, by the way. We got mobile. We know we got desktop. We got you know Pokemon Go with its. Um, I don't I forgot what you even call that nowadays, but it's kind of all merging uh, into I think this metaverse type of world, and that could be completely off here. I mean, what are you excited about in terms of gaming? Is it the metaverse, as we "quote unquote" call it, is it a specific platform? And then the second follow-up question to that is: you know, where does you know HyperPlay live? Is amongst all those?
1: Definitely a great question, and I think gaming is especially primed for things like the metaverse. And honestly, a lot of the tooling that game developers use is the same tools that we're going to be using and are using for those types of environments. So I'm definitely very bullish on that. Path in the future. I also agree. I think things are starting to converge a little bit on a set of different interfaces and platforms. And I think a lot of, you know, even some of the AI related stuff fits into this. Um, I do think that gaming is actually the fundamental ground in which a lot of this stuff is being built on top of. Um, From the gaming engines themselves to a lot of the mechanics of these games, they fit really well with these paradigms. Um, And then also just in terms of you mentioned earlier with like just cinematography and storytelling, I think gaming is an incredible format for those things. And as we converge reality into technology more and more, digital assets make even more sense because now we're operating in this other world where we're actually doing things. And there's material changes in this, quote unquote, virtual reality that we're creating or the metaverse that we're creating. I think digital assets become even more relevant in those in that world. So I think it's only natural that crypto and blockchains are the fundamental economic layer for things like a metaverse to exist and even to provide things like for AI systems, to provide things like, hey, this is proven to come from my data source. Anyone could use this data set for training, etc., this, that, or whatever. NFTs are a great use case for... Licensing data and things like that as well in a more automated way. So I think, again, it all is going to converge, and I think they all fit really nicely together.
0: Yeah. You mentioned AI. Enlighten me a little bit. How do you how do you see AI fitting into gaming? (laughs) There's
2: (laughs) a couple different. Oh, sorry. No, I said we need another hour for that this topic.
1: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. We'll need another hour for that one for sure. I think there's a couple different thought experiments that people are playing with right now. There's the world where user-generated gaming exists, where you're actually asking for a specific type of game, and then that's being built on the fly. Um, I think that is much further in the future. Uh, At least this is obviously my opinion on this. But I think those kinds of use cases are much further along in the future. Um, And to be honest, I think that most people just want to play a game that's already been thoughtfully designed and is going to really entertain them. And they just want to look for that thing that fits their their uh, preferences. I'm not entirely convinced that people are going to be wanting to generate their own games every time they want to go and play a game. Um, But I do think for things like RPGs, where you have main quests and side quests and you even have random events, things like that. I believe that the dialogue options and just the general uh, interactions with NPCs and other characters in the game are going to be far, far richer and more dynamic with these things. Because now we can train a character, we could train a model on that, and this character can say all kinds of things now that still fit within the story and still make sense within the greater context of the game but now provide you an even richer experience and now you can play the same game 100 times in a row and potentially have 100 different outcomes every single time. So I think for things like RPGs or even just other types of games like uh, like card games, for example, I think those could be really interesting Um, or even just more intelligent AI to to help play with you if you only got a party of three and you need six people. I think just having better and more (laughs) effective AI in that case is also a solid thing.
2: Yeah, that's a good a good point because I used to play this iPad game with a uh, computer-generated uh, users that wasn't very smart. And I'm like, oh, I, this right. game sucks because I'm just winning all the time. So AI will be perfect for that. And then I just thought, yeah, I'm, and those are
1: too easy. Yeah,
2: sorry about that. Um, yeah, the last point I was going to make was that I'm a proud parent now, so uh, I could see myself wanting to make a game. Just to counter what you were saying earlier, yeah, yeah. Most people wouldn't want to make a game, but you know, for my kid, I wouldn't want to make a game that makes them smarter, or you know, better dialogue certainly. to teach him certain things. Yeah,
1: certainly. Yeah, I also believe that will be the case. I think it's just a much smaller percentage of of what we'll actually be seeing in the in the real world. I also would love to do that too. Um, I'm not a parent yet, but I could absolutely agree that that's like an amazing use case for something like that for sure.
0: I love the idea of utilizing the AI in a role-playing game that that's one of the best examples I've heard or even had anybody bring up to me because you're right you could have hundreds to thousands of different outcomes but it's gonna still fit within the same story and it's just gonna make that game uh, I think the word used is richer and that's that's a it's kind of stuck in my head but it's gonna just make that experience richer for the end user what kind of um, what kind of advice would you give for any developer that's looking to build out a game and how that could uh, also intertwine with what you're doing at Hyperplay? For sure.
1: Well, I would say if you're building a Web3 game, definitely reach out because we could help reduce a lot of the stuff that you got to build. Um, I would say definitely if you're building a game, it's a huge lift it It takes a lot of different multi-talented individuals to to come together um, it's It seems like from from outside looking in working with a lot of these game developers, it does seem like maybe even an order of magnitude more complex than building a movie or producing a movie or something of that sort. Um, so I would say obviously story mechanics, classic gaming mechanics, um, in terms of web 3 gaming, figuring out the economic Uh, model is also quite important Um, there's tools out there like machinations which lets you simulate different types of economic models both in traditional games and web3 games Um, with the web3 games you just map that stuff to tokens Um, but i will say focusing on the gameplay and making it fun is absolutely number one i think the biggest mistakes that a lot of folks in the web3 gaming space have made are Putting up just a website with an NFT sale and calling it a day or not Mm -hmm. getting started on development until they've made that sale. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Um, We're seeing a lot of games that are kind of going the other direction where they're saying, hey, I want to make sure my game is playable. It's fun. Our community is excited about it. And then when we're ready to introduce these crypto elements, then we'll roll them in. And then when they do that, they could also take all of the retroactive history of all of their community that helped them participate in things like alpha builds or early access stuff or voting on certain mechanics that they would prefer to see. You could take all of that information and actually build that into the token mechanics when you actually do go to do that. Um, So I think generally taking that approach is a little bit safer of a bet in terms of preserving reputation and making sure that the game is actually going to be a hit when you go to launch it um i definitely would not just wait until you sell an nft to to start (laughs) building um that would be definite no no on my in my opinion
2: (laughs) absolutely yeah i i'm seeing the more thoughtful approach from big gaming publishers come in because they actually you know have operations and, and doing launching an nft so that makes more sense uh, for sure, we saw that kind of garage band like put together an NFT and make a game didn't really work out too well. Um, so yeah, definitely advise people not to do that. Uh, I'm super excited to play some games I haven't played in a while, but it seems like gaming is just taking on just such a fast pace in terms of advancement technology. Now you're impor- incorporating crypto NFTs. AI, I mean, it's like a speeding bullet on a speeding bullet. Your day must be super busy. <laughs> uh, what's next <laughs> after that? I mean, is there anything next after crypto, NFTs, AI? It seems like a lot already.
1: Well, I think my main focus is still going to be in gaming for quite a while. I think that uh, there's still a lot of work to be done in this space. And again, we got to prove to the markets that, you know, all the work that we've been doing over the past few years is is actually coming to fruition. And as well as just convincing these bigger game studios to to join Web3 and, um, you know, we really believe in just building for this specific market that is excited about this. And, you know, if the thesis of Web3 is true, everyone's gonna come through anyway. So mm-hmm. as long as we focus on making that a good experience for both the players and the developers, I think that's gonna be our, that's, that's at least my core focus over the next few years, for sure.
0: Awesome stuff and some great information here. How How's the audience find you if you if you want to be found and how do they get connected with HyperPlay?
1: Absolutely. So you can definitely go to our website, hyperplay.xyz. You can download the client. We've got a really interesting launch coming up soon. So you'll definitely want to sign up and connect your wallet. Uh, there's okay. going to be some really interesting things that we're rolling out over the next few months, especially. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you could also find us on X at Hyperplay gaming. Um, and if you want to find me personally, I'm at Alec W, and uh, yeah, join our discord and we'll we're more than happy to 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 hang out. We do community game nights all the time as well, so if you join, we'll we'll definitely probably be on a call uh, at some point playing some games together.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to join. Definitely, I'm excited for this launch that you just kind of gave us a little bit of alpha about, so I'm going to go on there and plug in my wallet details, and uh, you'll see me in the Discord asking some probably random questions, but uh great information we really appreciate the time and we'd love to have you back on especially as things develop and this launch and just the future of hyperplay looks like you're really doing some great stuff for not only gamers but developers and excited to see how it all shakes out in the future
1: us too yeah we really appreciate the uh the yeah the the opportunity to come and speak here and um, yeah we're really excited about the future and we're hoping to build it the right way
0: Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks, Alec.
1: Thank you. Cheers, everyone.